What is up, friends? Welcome back to the Purple Chair Podcast, where we amplify women in and around the game. If you've heard of the Ravens' legendary peanut butter or orange juice machines, then you've heard of the work of the Ravens' director of sports nutrition, Sarah Snyder. Sarah joined the Ravens in March of 2019, and I'm not saying the legendary Ravens' regular season was her doing, but I'm also not saying it wasn't. Sarah's changes to the way we consume food at the castle can be seen throughout the building, both the popular ones and the not-so-popular ones. Ice cream machine, we miss you. But don't worry, I asked Sarah all about that, so let's dive in. So obviously we had you on the first season of the Purple Chair podcast briefly, but so we didn't get to get into all the like nitty gritty of your job, which is what I want to do today. So we wanted to have you back for a little bit more. But first, just so listeners kind of know, how does one become the director of sports nutrition of an NFL team? What was your journey to get here? My journey to get to my current role as the director of um, nutrition for the Ravens uh, started um, with school in I actually knew in high school that I wanted to be a sports dietitian, which is a really blessed opportunity to know that early so I can start kind of knowing my path. Um, I ended up going to a college that was this small liberal arts school, so they didn't have even a nutrition program, but I was like, I'll just do biology, pre-med, which was really hard, um, and I'll specialize in my master's. I knew I would get a master's and really specialize, so I wasn't too worried about honing in specifically on nutrition in my undergrad Um, But I did everything I could to get my foot in the door of sports. So I um, worked in the athletic training room at Santa Clara University. And there I was around the athletic department and working with women's soccer, which they have an amazing soccer program, Um, worked with basketball and and got some great exposure there to then even put that on my resume and be hired at some gyms um, during this year off that I took between my undergrad and my master's. Uh, They didn't really want to hire me, but um, because I had worked in this athletic training room at Santa Clara, they were like, okay. We'll try it. We'll try it out. And I was this intern strength and conditioning coach, not knowing a thing about (laughs) strength and conditioning, nothing. Um, But I did really take a liking to it and got certifications so that when I ended up at Florida State to specialize in sports nutrition and and go through the dietetic internship and take the really specific courses, the strength coach at the time was John Jost. Um, He was the strength coach for the football team. He gave me an opportunity to intern in the weight room because I had some, some little experience and I was starting to really like it, like the Olympic lifting and things like that. So it was pretty amazing that he gave me the opportunity as a woman at that time. It was, it was 2005, so it, it mm-hmm. just didn't feel like it was that common where women were working in weight rooms at that time, but there definitely were some. And then that gave me even more exposure into sports and even specifically a football team at um, FSU. So just really knowing my path in high school helped where I was going moving forward. And I kind of had to figure it out along the way. There's no book for it. Um, and I get a lot of questions from students now, like, what's the path? What's the path? And I always tell them, it's kind of what you want to make of it. Like, mm-hmm. if you want to be in the weight room, that's one way to get exposure to sports. If you want to be in the athletic training room, that's another exposure. But nowadays, there's also more opportunities in sports nutrition for right. students to really start in the college level and uh, help out. And then from there, I started at a company called Exos. Um, Exos works with players in the offseason and uh, really hones in on getting guys ready for the combine. It's a big business. It's become a big business. And uh, I had a great mentor there who was a sports dietitian. And that was a lucky experience, blessed experience, because not every dietitian has a dietitian above them Hmm. to school them on how to do this. And 
um, all the strengths you need to have in this role. She was wonderful at that. Amanda Carlson is her name. And I'm so lucky that she was there to kind of guide me through mm-hmm. a lot of things. Um, and she, she saw my drive. I was really hungry to work there. <laughs> and uh, they gave me a couple of internship opportunities that I took. And I let her know, you know, a, a temporary position was not what I wanted there. I wanted to sure. be full time. So she created a position for me, and um, I was with them for four years and learned so much before heading into the college environment. And then you ended up at the Lions at some point after that? Yeah, I worked collegiate sports for five years between Florida and Michigan, Um, and I I always think going to the college environment is really great to set you up for the NFL. Because you really, I always say you get to learn if you like it and you get to learn if it likes you. (laughs) And the grind of the schedule in college was quite a lot. Mm -hmm. So um, if you can keep up with that, then you can keep up with this. And and just all the things flying at you in in college athletics, like if you can work through that and and excel and succeed in that, then then you can, you know, come to the NFL. And again, everyone has a different path, but I did want to go straight to the NFL after I was in Exos. I wanted to not, like, I didn't think about working college. I just wanted to go straight to, to work in the NFL. But I'm so glad I didn't have those opportunities yet because I needed to fall and fail at the collegiate level a little bit, a little bit of a smaller scale and then be a little bit more prepared, a lot more prepared for the NFL. Sure. And I guess you're probably balancing multiple teams when you're at the college level too. It's not, you're just not specialized on one roster at that point. Yeah. And that was like 10 years ago. That's exactly how it was. Nowadays, there is a Mm. dedicated dietitian to the football teams at big programs. And there's an army of staff at many of these programs as well that make it where you can work with all the athletes and get all these snacks and beverages and smoothies mobilized to the people at the right time, the athletes at the right time. So when you were at the Lions, what excited you about the opportunity to come to the Ravens? How did you make that decision? Uh, I mean, the winning culture that's historical um, for this building, for this team, was, uh, of course, appealing. The Lions are a fantastic organization, and I learned so much from them. And uh, everyone who was, who was at the Lions at that time was, was wonderful. But winning is hard, and it's, it's a tough organization to be in. Um, and I know there, it's a constant climb to, to figure it out mm-hmm. and you're constantly changing things. So it was interesting to look at this opportunity and see what's it like to not have to change <laughs> all the time and, and eat, like we always want to evolve and make sure that we're innovative and, and meeting the needs of the players and, and we want to be cutting edge, Sure, but we don't have to fix things that are broken constantly mm, like here. Stability. Yeah. I mean, when I came in here, I had to really remember, I'm not coming in and saying, well, this is what we did at the Detroit Lions. <laughs> I'm not saying that to anybody. <laughs> like, to, let, me just, let me just observe and watch. That was a big thing for me my first year was to, to really observe and watch and learn a winning culture and what works and, and not impose everything that I have here, sure. but see where I can improve things and um, make sure the players have their needs from a nutritional standpoint. Yeah, that's interesting. So how did you kind of determine, okay, this is what I want to implement here then? I mean, there were um, maybe the recovery program from a nutrition standpoint wasn't totally solid. Um, You know, players have specific needs that they want for recovery. Mm -hmm. Some can eat, some cannot eat. Some want a very specific smoothie. Some uh, want to cool down for an hour before they put anything into their bodies. So it, it's, it's highly individualized, highly individualized. Many people obviously like ICs and 
Italian ice and things mm-hmm. like that. But in terms of what they're putting into their bodies, that one I really have to cater to each individual and, and really continually communicate with them to make sure that they have what they need and emphasize the importance of recovery. I do. I mean, I always say these guys need to understand how unique and specialized their bodies are and how much higher the need is. So making sure that they're getting something within that hour, I think, is extremely important. We don't all need it as this general population that might go work out and, you know, getting our protein and our (laughs) carbohydrate right away might not be like top notch, uh, top of the list. But for the players, based on where they're at with their um, physiology and biology, I feel like they really need it within that hour. So building a program around that, Mm. that was something we definitely implemented uh, and then the pre-workout stuff, um, preparing the body for the practice or for the game, um, that's a big component to performance nutrition, making sure they have, um, if it's beet juice or uh, the proper fluids, the proper carbohydrate, uh, the proper energy stores going into that. Um, that's individualized too. So you mm-hmm. need someone in place to guide them as to what they need and watching them and learning them and um, seeing them exert themselves in practice and where they start to um, really need extra energy helps me know what they might need before as well. Mm, that makes sense. To help prepare them. How do you keep track of all of that for 53? Right now we're taping this during training camp, so it's 90 different people. It's taken a couple of years to learn every single player. And then, of course, you know people rotate out. But being here every day, seeing them at practice, seeing them at breakfast, lunch, or dinner, getting to know them as people, you really start to study, study their patterns mm. and their demeanors, their, um, their disposition. All those things help guide me to, um, to then ask them questions about what they need and how they feel. It's a lot of qualitative research around the guys that mm. I'm constantly doing, just watching them, which sounds weird, but um, <laughs> it helps me help them in terms of what they need. That makes sense. I would never would have thought, like, I think people would think it's more like qualitative or quantitative, excuse me, than qualitative when it comes to nutrition, that's just about like numbers, but every person is different and what they like and what they don't like is different. And you can't force guys at this stage of their careers to do certain things. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought about it. Absolutely. And how they feel is, is I think such a big question. How do you feel? How does your body feel? How do you overall feel? Just a check-in and a scan, I think, is really important. And there, we have literature, we have research in the field of nutrition. We don't have as much as we would like, but we do have some research. But then there's also like the actual user mm-hmm. and, and how are they responding to whatever the stimulus is. Is Those things go hand in hand, research and then actually how the person feels. Right. Everybody is so individual. To go back to the changes that you made when you got here, there are two beloved additions <laughs> that you brought to the Ravens. The orange juice machine, which for fans that don't know, it's in the cafeteria and makes fresh squeezed orange juice every day, which is divine. And there's the fresh honey roasted peanut butter machine that with a click of a button just grinds your peanut butter right there. So which one is your favorite? Let's see. I think I, I like both the orange juice and the peanut butter machine. Um, The orange juice machine takes me back to working at Florida and reminds me of living in Florida. And that's Mm. probably where the inspiration comes from, where I wanted that. Plus the vitamin C helps with collagen development and we all need more uh, stronger collagen with our tendons and ligaments. But um, yeah, it might be the orange juice, super fresh. And and anything that's that fresh Mm -hmm. made, I'm a fan of. It's honestly the best that I've ever had like easily. (laughs) 
But are you the reason that the ice cream machine is missing in action? <laughs> <laughs> That's the big question. <laughs> you know, I like to say it's not missing. It just is finding a new home. It's been relocated. It's been relocated. <laughs> TBD. <laughs> it's not as good for collagen as the orange juice machine. <laughs> yeah. So to get into kind of some of the nitty gritty, because I think this is really interesting for fans. So since we're talking about the orange juice machine, if you had to guess how many pounds or I guess how many oranges would we go through a week in general? Oh, gosh, let's see. I think we've done the math at some point just to try to figure out from a, a budgetary standpoint. And I wonder if we were going through four cases of oranges and how many are in a case. I want to say between 30 and 50 oranges in a case. So if we were going through 120 oranges certain days. And some, sometimes people don't even know about it when they first get here. Mm-hmm. I had a player tell me the other day, he might've been here for a couple of years. He was like, I didn't know this was here. And obviously <laughs> it went away during COVID, but um, he was like, that's the best thing I've ever had. Like, I didn't yeah. even know this was here. And I was like, well, it's been dusted off and brought back since, since COVID, but um, a lot, a lot, a lot of work. But we might need, a, we might need a fact, <laughs> Can't do math in my head. we might need a fact check that one. Okay. <laughs> well, when you come into the cafeteria, it's a kind of sensory overload. So I can understand how players would like miss things. There's a lot. There's a lot. So how do you kind of go about determining week by week? This is what we want to get in front of the players meal wise. From a, oh, a menu standpoint, um, every meal would have a f- two different vegetable options, three different carbohydrate options, three different protein options. And within those carbohydrate and protein options, there should be something for the player who's trying to lean out. There okay. should be something for the player trying to maintain, and there should be something for the player trying to gain. So a lean out would be brown rice or the quinoa. It could be white rice as well. And then for the kind of the middle maintain person, it could be potatoes or pasta. And then for your gain, it's going to be the mac and cheese or the scalloped potatoes. <laughs> so... It'll, I'll make sure we have something to cater for each goal. And same with the proteins, you know, the leanest would be the fish typically. Um, and then middle would be your poultry your chicken or your turkey. And then pork or beef would be the third option. Which is dangerous when you're staff and you're not trying to gain. Yes. <laughs> you get served the same options. <laughs> A lot of people gain like 15 pounds and they start working here. Yeah, it's like, it's like college. <laughs> it's like the freshman 15. Exactly. The Ravens 15, um, sometimes more debatably. So when a player comes in with like a dietary restriction, how does that change things? Whether it's like an allergy, I know we've had some vegan players in the past. So how does that kind of shift what you do? Um, I'll work with that individual to see what they, what they do eat and what they do tolerate and maybe even how severe the allergy is, um, and educate them as we go through the, the line and the dining hall to show them like we have allergen symbols, this steak might be marinated in something that contains Mm -hmm. something that you can't have. So keeping an eye for that and, and even having a portion in the back that's just plain, maybe a plain steak or a plain whatever it is. Or uh, even for a peanut allergy, you're going to have a blender devoted to no peanuts. Mm. Peanut allergies are really common. Yeah. So you just have to have specialized tools and, and the kitchen staff is extremely well educated on food allergens as well. So they do a good job of um, helping out with that. You kind of alluded to this with the different like options that they're served like at like lunch. But if a player comes in like under or overweight, what is that kind of initial process like for you? Under or overweight um, is is one piece of information. But I think we need a little bit more in terms of like what is their body composition? Mm. So what's their lean mass? What's their fat mass? And I love that about how we work here is we're not just looking at weight. And that seems old school mentality to me is to simply just look at a weight. 
it's not just about a weight. It's about how much fat mass, how much lean mass he has, and then how he moves that sure. on the field. So there's always more and more questions to ask. And, you know, our performance team is wonderful to provide that information. And we have dialogue and conversation. And, of course, you ask the player, how do you feel? How are you moving? How do you feel like your speed is, your acceleration? And they can speak to that as well. But then we can also combine that conversation with the data. And that guides us for where we're going with, with leaning out or gaining. But then I can take them through the dining hall and point out these foods or these products are going to help with gaining weight. Mm-hmm. That seems easier, right? And then these, <laughs> there's other products that can be um, kind of hacks for leaning out. I mean, people get tired of drinking water at times, but there's other things out there. You can squeeze lemon or lime into your water or put fruit into it, any type of fruit. Um, something to mix up the monotony. um, And then the protein-focused snacks that we have around the building, too, are ones that I'll guide them to if they're trying to lean out versus, um, you know, snacking on excess sugars. So you kind of talked about you walk them through that in the cafeteria. Is there a point where you're kind of like, okay, we're in a good spot. I don't need to intervene, keep an eye on them anymore? Like, how does that go? I don't, I think it's a continual follow-up, especially during the rookie year. Mm-hmm. Um, rookie year, I'm, I'm learning them as a person and a, as a athlete and um, what foods they gravitate to and what their weight trends are and how they feel about food, how they build their plates each meal. Is it balanced? Do they need help getting more of something? Um, so during that rookie year, I would say it's a lot more continuous follow-up and I'm monitoring them a little bit more. Um, after a couple of years of watching somebody like Mark Andrews, who builds this beautiful plate and, and sufficient amount of macronutrients every time, and he's he's wonderful about his meal timing, of course. You know, that's somebody that, like, I, I don't feel like I'd have to monitor him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's well-versed in knowing what he needs. Um, and then, yeah, goals change, weights fluctuate, seasons fluctuate. So it's it's very fluid. Sure. If we go away for a break, some people come back leaner or stronger. Some people might have gained weight on the break. So then we're working on whatever the current goal is. Yeah. How do you kind of handle that when they leave? What, like, are you ever checking in with them? Do you give them sort of like a plan to base that off of? Or are they just kind of on their own, (laughs) free for all? Um, Many of them individually will have a plan to go away with and some check-ins throughout the time that they're on their break, I do want to make sure that they get the mental break and the time away that Mm -hmm. they need. Because when they are here between July and February, it's It's all all hands on deck all the time. And so you want to give them some space during some times of the year so they can have reprieve and and mentally just get to be. But yeah, a lot of them do have plans and there's check-ins. But mm-hmm. I, I really, I do try to emphasize those breaks as ensuring that they're getting time to relax and sure. decompress. And yeah, I want to give them that space. Yeah, there's a balance there for right. sure. So one thing that fascinates me too is in the logistics that go into a road game. There's food literally everywhere. You get to meet the plane and there's snacks. There's a meal served on the plane in the air. At the hotel, there's more food. than there's food at the hotel once the guys have checked in. So how do you coordinate all of that? At the hotels and on the road and travel, I feel like each meal that's served, it's it's always an opportunity for, for players to fuel. And some players need to eat six meals a day and or prefer to eat six meals a day. Some players only three times a day. So out of all those opportunities of fueling that we're serving, between the 90 
or so that mm-hmm. we might have, everyone's at least getting three meals a day. <laughs> and then those that need more, um, the linemen absolutely need, uh, you know, they're constantly at the forefront of my mind. Are they getting everything that they need? Mm-hmm. You know, do we put a snack at this point in the schedule? Well, the linemen are going to need calories and they mm-hmm. need to be fed enough. If they're not, if, if in general people aren't fed enough throughout the day, they're going to make up for it later on sure. as well. So um, making sure it's in their path even if we're in the building or on the road, that's important to me to make sure that they have the opportunities to fuel if they need it and then coaching them up on what their individual needs are. Is there any like instance where a lineman would be like overeating or is that really not possible for someone that like needs to consume that many calories? I think any position can overeat or any person. I mean, in this day and age in our culture, we can overeat. (laughs) I mean, just look at Instagram and all the good food on Instagram all the time. It's hard to not want food all the time. But yeah, I'd I'd say it's just helping them be guided. Mm -hmm. Um, And at this stage in their career, some people have been through working on some type of lean out process and they have experience with that. And then it's just fine tuning that or bringing that back, what worked and what didn't work and making sure they have the energy and the hydration levels first and foremost, and that they're being healthy is always um, absolutely crucial. But especially in the heat right now, that's one of the biggest concerns during camp when it's this hot, making sure that they are hydrated and fueled and ready to go for that practice. So then in game, I guess you talked a lot about how like specialized each guy is how do you determine like who needs what when what they're taking in like during an actual game some of that comes from experience with them Mm -hmm. um some of them have their routines before I got here and we may have updated or evolved that routine but they still have that routine where they need that beverage at that time or you know at a certain time during the game like okay he let me check in with him and see if he needs some electrolyte, or let me check in with this player and see if he needs a little carbohydrate. Um, or let me make sure this player is eating during halftime because he's burning and expending a lot during that game or that first half where he's going to need it to fix, to, to finish out the second half. Um, or if we're going into a game where that week was really hot and exhausted their reserves, making sure that they are ready for the game and have enough during the game. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely people on my list where I'm like, okay, make sure we're checking in with him. Mm-hmm. He's okay. This one needs a little bit more. This <laughs> one's good. He's all like, that's yeah. kind of where my, my brain's at. I don't know how you keep track of all of that. Um, in training camp Wired, there was a lot of guys talking about pickle juice. So what's the science behind pickle juice? I did not know that was a nutritious substance (laughs) that pickle juice to me it does feel a little bit on the on the traditional historical side of uh, football I think it's been going on for a long time where people drank pickle juice out of glass jars I've had coaches or or even our team chaplain telling me that they drank pickle juice out of the jar when they were playing (laughs) the science isn't there the, the research isn't totally there to say pickle juice solves hydration or cramping problems like that doesn't exist but there's definitely something to be said about how these guys feel when they take it they like it they'll be sweating out a lot and and highly um, exerting themselves and then they'll have a pickle juice and some water maybe some Gatorade and and feel good hmm. and I mean that makes us have a lot of pickle juice on hand at all times that but I would wild. say there's not too much literature that says pickle <laughs> juice is it so do you think it's like a little mental, like they just they think it works, so it works? Yeah, it could definitely be. Uh, <laughs> it could be definitely mental as well. There is, I mean, there's vinegar in it, and there is sodium in it. Okay. So it may be something with the mechanism of the the acid, the vinegar, 
And of course, the sodium may help with the amount that they're sweating out. Right. That makes sense. So then post game for recovery, what is that process like? How are you like, what are you recommending for guys then? Post game is a lot based on how they feel. Mm -hmm. I mean, they will let you know what they feel like and what they don't feel like. Um, And we've had these conversations even recently, like, let's check in and make sure we're going with some good post-game options for you guys and what you want. I mean, the, I was just sitting with a player the other day who was like, it's got to be something something light, not something too heavy. Okay. However, I know I have players who want mac and cheese after a game. Yeah. Like, they are ready to eat. I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say, like, Travis Jones is ready to eat after <laughs> practice, after a game, and I'm just like, this yes. is amazing. Like, I love that. You're ready to go, whereas uh, other players sit there and they're like, I can't even look at food right now. Huh. Travis Jones is like, he's on it. He's eating. He's thriving. Really That's well. me when I work out. I'm like, yes, now I can <laughs> yes, eat now everything. <laughs> so is the post-game Popeyes on the plane Sarah Snyder sanctioned? Or is that I thought that too was hard just, to get rid of? I thought that was an Eric DaCosta one. Okay. <laughs> and I just thought that's how So you don't overrule that one. <laughs> no. So how do you, you kind of talked about this a little bit and every guy's different, but how do you balance like getting guys to eat what you know they need versus like what they like? That's a great question. Balancing what a player needs versus what he likes. Um, that is, takes some education and it takes some maturity too. Some players come in with a palate that is similar to, um, you know, somebody like, uh, like chicken tenders might mm, be a favorite. Like a five-year-old. Like, yes. <laughs> I can say it. Yeah, you, you can, can say it. it. <laughs> um, so they might be coming from there and it, it takes, it takes some maturity and it takes um, some education and just feeling themselves and going through uh, some years of experience in football to um, evolve from that, mm-hmm. I think. And the, just being in the NFL and, and having opportunities to travel and being around other teammates can also help get guys to try new foods too. Mm-hmm. Which is which is awesome. If they'll see their teammates eating certain things, they'll try it. Right. It's kind of the process of becoming a pro in all aspects. You learn from the vets and see yes. what the vets do. I remember Jimmy Smith would always talk about that. Like when he came in as a rookie, like he didn't care about any of that stuff. And then like, you know, year twelve, you have to care about all yes. those little things and all those details pay off. So like talking about games on the logistics, the one of the things that's interesting is like rain delays. And you've told me before, this is like one of the hardest things to prepare for, because obviously you don't control the weather. You don't know how long they're going to last. So you don't want players to eat too much, be too sluggish, be too tired, like lacking food. How do you handle and prepare for that? You will have people want to eat during the break. That's just a, a given. In the two rain delays I've had between a college game and a NFL game, people wanted to eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And it's like we we would burn through all of them during a rain delay. So it's it's and it's not just the players. I mean, the staff are taking the opportunity mm-hmm. to eat as well. And it's like your body's slowing down where you might actually feel some type of hunger. Mm-hmm. Game days may be spotty for people because they're for players really when they're thinking about the game and what they have to do in the playbook, eating it might be a little bit challenging for some. So slowing down during a rain game a rain delay may allow them to feel their hunger and, and actually eat something, which could be a good thing. But you don't want us to sit in the locker room and just eat, and we're not going to do that. You know, We'll um, work on our hydration, make sure we're well, but I know the coaching staff will take the opportunity to work on strategizing the game. Sure. And obviously that's not, you like said, it's only happened to you twice. So it's not having something that happens often, but do you have to prepare just in case like something like that happens, like to have enough stuff on hand? Yes. I coordinate with the stadiums and say, if we have a rain delay, if it's mm, a, okay. you know, it's an outdoor stadium and it's looking like it could be a possibility, I'll ask them to have some more things on hand. Um, 
when I was at University of Florida, we did have sandwiches delivered to the locker room in pouring rain. And the two gentlemen delivering the sandwiches were on bikes. And they had 100 sandwiches between these two bikes in cardboard boxes wrapped Mm. in trash bags. And I didn't get a picture of it, but it was like the best thing that's ever happened in my career is that <laughs> this company showed up with 100 sandwiches within, guys. within 30 minutes for a football team. And, and it didn't necessarily slow us down. I guess I need to look back at the outcome of that game. <laughs> and the trash bags underneath the cardboard box. I was like, cardboard boxes, those sandwiches are soggy. Yeah, it was amazing. That is wild. It was amazing. What about like overtime? So is that just still oh. kind of the stuff that they're taking in on the field and it's just like repeating that? That's a big deal because that means we're those that are playing a lot are mm-hmm. going to play even more and they will need more. Oftentimes they may need more carbohydrate. They may need more electrolyte. Um, some people might want something heavier like a, a bar on the field or um, or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich uh, or a banana or something. But that absolutely can test the body. Four quarters is a lot as it is for somebody who's playing many of the series, but extending that is really something where I'm mindful about making sure that people are good and they have what they need and they don't look like they're deficient in anything. So we've talked a lot about game situations, but you're also at practice every day. So again, like distributing various things, different guys. So what goes into kind of, is there a difference in what guys are taking in, I guess, at a practice versus a game? It's, I would say it's similar between a practice and a game as to what players need. And I think practice is definitely help me learn their needs Mm -hmm. to then go into the game and everything we do at a practice, you know, we have to have all of those same tools at the game available. Um, Out of my, my list of players that need pickle juice, like they will ask for it when they need it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, it's the same list. It's not, there's not typically a new person added to the list saying I need a new product. And we'll talk through that because I always tell them and they know not to try anything new on game day. Right. Makes sense. You know, you practice it at practice or or even if it's um, something like beet juice can be tough on the stomach. So I don't necessarily want to mess up a practice with that either. <laughs> I'm like, let's try this on an off day. And uh, you can see if your stomach feels anything with the beet juice on an off day versus messing up a practice for you because yeah. we don't have time for that. You know, mm-hmm. Sarah gave me beet juice and now I can't <laughs> <Yes>. practice. <laughs> So how do you combat dehydration on the like really, really hot days, especially during camp? Like obviously, is it cramping somewhat inevitable? Is that like preventable? How does that? Uh, the hydration program and process is, is a large one during August and July. I mean, it's so important that we're, as, as a performance team, we're working together to monitor these guys and give them everything that they need to stay fully hydrated. And they need to just achieve a hydration balance. Players don't need to overhydrate. Mm-hmm. We don't want them underhydrated. It's like it's a fluid balance. You know, fluid's going to leave the body and we put it back, but we don't need to overhydrate because that causes more complications. Um, but we weigh them in, we weigh them out, and, you know, that's a little bit annoying for people to get on the scale that many times a day. But you know, to make sure these guys understand from an ed- educational standpoint, this is to check your fluid loss in your mm-hmm. body and to know how much we want to put back in. You know, to make it very standard and streamlined, we're looking at for every one pound you lose, you're drinking one bottle of fluid. Wow. And it doesn't have to be water. You don't necessarily want it to be all water unless they're getting a lot of electrolytes and things from their food, salting their food. It could be water, it could be sports drinks, it can be milk, it can be. Um, a number of different fluids. Even fruit is, you know, wonderful with the water content in actual fruit. But making sure they're they're learning their bodies, and we have these amazing scales that digitally 
record the way in, digitally record the way out, and they will give exactly that information to the player as to how they need to replenish. Hmm. So they're constantly seeing, okay, this is an action item that I need to replenish before the next practice. And I'll be reminding them through message, like make sure that you're putting back in what you lost. If they're losing a lot during practice, we'll build some strategies during practice in like, okay, so you're drinking just water right now and you're losing 10 pounds at practice. How does that affect your performance? Are you feeling anything or is anything being noticed or observed with your performance towards the end? And if it is, we can add in some sports drink or electrolyte um, to see if that works. And is that like a high number? Like what's a normal number for a guy to kind of lose during a practice just water wise? Like 12 pounds is a lot to lose in water. Um, But really we go by percentage of body weight. So if somebody loses 2%, Body weight of water is pretty normal. Hmm. Um, 3% is where we start to monitor. 6% is a high. And it just depends on, on if the guy's 200 pounds. You know, losing 10 pounds is a lot for a 200-pound yeah. athlete. For the average person like me, the non-elite athlete <laughs> that we're talking about here, what's the best recovery snack after a workout? What would you recommend someone eat? Oh, um, recovery snacks could be Greek yogurt and fruit. It could be chocolate milk. It could be there. I mean, there's a number of protein drink shakes out there, or you could simply take some whey protein and blend it with some fruit, mm-hmm. some strawberries and bananas. And so that's like a protein and a sugar then basically. Yeah. Protein and some carbohydrate. I mean, depending on what the workout was, if you were and what your goals are, of course, are you training for something or are you trying to lean out or are you trying to gain weight? You know, it all depends on what the individual goal is, but um, you want some type of carbohydrate and protein post-workout. To kind of go back a little bit, back towards like your kind of journey here. When So when you worked in college, and we talked about this a little bit, but you're responsible for different sports. And that also goes into kind of being responsible for male athletes and female athletes. Right. Here at the Ravens, obviously you're responsible for male football athletes specifically, but does that change like your role at all as you're dealing with like different genders, different sports? Like how does that change, yeah. I guess? Yeah, definitely different working with um, men and women. Bodies are extremely different. And I think, I mean, I know it's evolving in terms of uh, there's there's eating disorders, there's disordered eating. Mm. You know, historically, it's been looked at more women encounter right. um, those issues between or disorder. And, and we actually have research that can show um, if a female is in a deficit of energy and the way they eat, this could be part of an eating disorder. Um, with men, it's a little bit harder to see, and, and maybe it's not even purposeful. Mm. It's just based on maybe a schedule or a situation where it's a disordered eating, and it, it, it might not be intentional. It might be intentional. Um, but I think more and more research is, is coming out with males and disordered eating or eating disorders. We're just It just might not be as prevalent as what you're seeing with women, but um, it's definitely something that you have to be educated on and be very skilled to work within a team of people to help the Mm -hmm. individual who has the eating disorder and help them start to nourish their bodies in the appropriate way and and thrive. Sure. And I guess like too, it could be an athlete that's coming in that knows they are like overweight. And so making sure that that weight that they are losing is being done in a healthy nutritional way then. Right. And that's so hard with all the messaging and social media and, and on the internet. It's so hard to know what advice to follow. So, right. um, I mean, disordered eating or eating disordered or nothing, it's just being online can throw a lot of different pieces of information that might not be totally accurate to follow hmm. and deciphering what's, what's real and what's not, what's, what's actual evidence-based literature might not make its way to Facebook, 
but a lot of people might take their nutrition advice from Facebook. <laughs> and everything that's on Facebook isn't true, Sarah. <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> so if you could give one someone one piece of nutritional advice to take away from this podcast, just the average person, what would that be? Balance. Create balance in, in your life around food. And we don't need too much or we don't need to restrict, I don't think, any one item. You just create balance around that. That would be that would be it. I have a few fan questions for you because I put this out on Twitter and Instagram that we were going to have you. So this one is from Jack Settleman on Twitter. If you could only pick one diet or exercise, which would you choose? Oh, that's such a good question. I love to work out and move. I absolutely love to move and work out. So the question is to pick to one. Pick one. Yeah, there's not really like a context. Okay. But just pick one. <laughs> so the nutritionist is going to pick working out. I like food and I also <laughs> like to work out. <laughs> okay, so both. <laughs> this is your podcast, so you make the rules. Um, this one comes from Owen Likely. What advice do you give to vegan and vegetarian athletes in finding alternative sources of protein? That's a great question. I would like to ask them how they like to eat beans, lentils. Um, do they like tofu? Do they like soy milk? How they're eating uh, maybe some type of trail mix. Those will have a little bit of protein in them. Some nut butters would have protein in it. Um, there's some products out there that they're plant-based shakes that are not mm -hmm. bad. Some of them are really chalky, um, but that's a good way to supplement the protein if you need. Um, for athletes, it's hard to get the creatine naturally from food if you're a vegan. Hmm. So I would look at supplementation. Creatine's in chicken and steak and pork. And if you're not eating those items, it's hard to get creatine in the body. Creatine helps with explosive movement in athletics. So it depends on the sport and what they're doing. But creatine also has other benefits as well. This one is from Haley Ricard, wife of Patrick. <laughs> she said, is Diet Coke actually that bad for you? Is it that bad? Um, I'd say... 10 cans a day could be bad, but going back to my um, balance, my word of balance, I'd say balance it out. And if you're having one a day, I don't think that's harmful. I don't okay. think there's tons of harm in that. I think it's when we overdo things, we're overdoing. There's, sure. you know, there's fake sugar and, and some additives to that, that maybe you don't want to dump in large quantities into your body. But if this is the what makes the person happy. feel good and, and happy and, you know, I like I like my cup of coffee or my, my latte that makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. And then maybe that's how the Diet Coke is for her. And awake also. Yeah, yeah. The caffeine. Yes. This one is from, his username is DangerDan00. What is one thing everyone should be consuming more of in their daily diet? Oh, that's such a good question. There's two that I like to talk more about. Healthy fats. It's a short list, but I feel like we can all do better trying to get in some healthy fats, whether it be olive oil or walnuts or a good source of salmon um, to get in some omega-3s and work on our healthy fat ratios. The other one would be uh, fermented foods. I think, hmm. you know, for the gut, trying to get in some like sauerkraut or kimchi or um, any type of fermented vegetable to help with the gut health. Interesting. What's the like logic behind that? So they contain probiotics and okay. probiotics are the good bacteria in the gut. Or they may can also contain prebiotics, which help feed the good bacteria in the gut. Interesting. I don't think I eat either of those things, so I will <laughs> just start. Um, if you could only take one food on a deserted island, what would it be? <laughs> Coffee's not a food, right? <laughs> oh, that's such a good question. In my growing up days, I would have taken pizza, but I'm mm. I'm allergic to milk, so I can't I can't pizza that doesn't have dairy free. Pizza. Yeah, it's not very good. <laughs> 
unless you're at Polly G's. I'll give you coffee. Coffee? Yeah. But that really doesn't feel like... I'm, I would say some... I would say fruit, like a, a good bowl of fruit. Okay. That might be a few different foods, but... That's okay. We'll, we'll take it. And this last fan question for you here from Steph. How many calories a day does a def- defensive lineman eat? Ooh, around 6,000. Wow. 5,000 maybe might be in that range. Mm-hmm. That just sounds like difficult. Like I love to eat and I feel like I would have a hard time eating 6,000 calories a day. It needs to be multiple plates. I mean, it needs mm-hmm. to be like three plates. And sometimes, the, you know, that's not the norm for the average person. Right. But when I see alignment with a couple of different plates, that's appropriate for them. Totally appropriate. I remember like one time, like my first year here, and I feel like I can say this now that he's gone. I walked in the cafeteria and Marshall Yonda had like an entire plate of spaghetti. And then he just had like a whole blender of smoothie. It wasn't in a cup. It was just the blender, blender. and he was drinking out of the blender. And I was like, mm-hmm. Yes, yes. We have very different diets. Yes. <laughs> Good for you. I love watching. I loved how Yonda <laughs> ate. I loved when watching that. He has like completely transformed his body. So it is wild, like the changes that they make kind of going from professional athlete to normal human yeah a lot of them have it like in their head that this is what they're going to do and they do it mm-hmm. um and that's definitely a transition that they need help with if they don't sure. know how to do it right because the the heart keeping up with cardiovascular health and all of that mm-hmm. it's important to make sure they transition right right that makes sense okay last thing for you our little purple hot seat your favorite after workout snack for you i like to eat i mean i would rather have food than a smoothie post post workout um, so even if it's dinner, if I'm working out in the evening, like, a, a chicken, I love chicken or fish. My carbohydrate choice could be like a sweet potato mm-hmm. or a potato, love sweet potatoes and potatoes and then a vegetable. Like, so I'm, I'm probably, if I work out in the evening, that would be dinner and that would be a, a good choice. What's your favorite indulgence? Um, let's see. I probably like cupcakes. Cupcakes. Yeah. <laughs> cupcakes. <laughs> And your be- your favorite way to de-stress? Uh, working out, traveling. Um, I love swimming. Swimming, whether it be in a pool or an ocean or yoga. That's mm-hmm. a lot of things, but <laughs> I like to It's de-stress a stressful a job. <laughs> you got to have lots of options to de-stress. Yeah, I'm like, well, that's like five. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much, Sarah. I appreciate the time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Sarah is great. Selfishly, I love having another woman on road games now. Sarah always knows where the women's locker room allotted for us is, which is clutch. And this season is the first I've really noticed the changing tides. There's female representation in coaching, our strength and training staffs right now. It just feels really different and it feels really, really good. And I get way more compliments on my outfits now. So it's a win-win. Speaking of hitting the road, the team heads up to the notorious New England Patriots this weekend, and we'll see our old pal, Matthew Judon. And I was actually talking to someone at practice this week about how much quieter practices are here without him. You could hear him no matter where on the practice field you were. And when I first got to the Ravens, the group of him, Tony Jefferson, Patrick Owasso, and the rookie Marlon Humphrey really made me feel welcome. And by welcome, I mean that Judon loved hitting the phone out of my hand mid-video. But I do like to think that was a sign of endearment with him. And I could always count on that crew for a great social clip and refilming it for me the one time I forgot to hit record, which was a big no-no. Now only Marlon's still here, and fortunately we all know he's quite the content guy. I mean, he's even got his own podcast now. 
Anyways, I digress. I do have some very exciting news about this podcast, though. At the end of October, Friday, October 28th, we're going to have, drumroll please, a live in-person taping with an audience of the Purple Chair podcast right here at the castle with drinks. So what could be better? And a very special guest. So if you want to hang out with me, and even if you don't, stay tuned for more details on that. Don't forget to leave us a review, rate, and subscribe so you get each new episode as soon as it drops. New episodes will air every other Tuesday, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.